Welcome to the Trauma Healing for Postpartum Moms podcast. I'm your host, Danik Bernier, mom of two, social worker, and psychotherapist in Ontario, Canada. This podcast is for the busy postpartum mom who didn't get the birth experience she was promised and feels intense pressure to be the best mother, but the stress of the postpartum period is too much. I want you to know that you're not alone and you're in the right place if you want to learn why you don't trust your in-laws to babysit your baby, why your brain keeps showing you scary stuff from your past, and why you're so afraid of getting pregnant again. Becoming the mother you want to be truly is possible. While this episode does not replace psychotherapy and is not meant to give medical advice, I hope you learned something new about yourself and the art of trauma healing while caring for a baby. Let's head into today's episode. Hello and welcome to episode 4 of the Trauma Healing for Postpartum Moms podcast. I'm your host, Danik Bernier, and in today's episode, we will be talking about something that's a bit heavy. Uh, We will be talking about the ways sexual abuse impacts the birthing experience. So, I'm putting a disclaimer right here. If conversations around sexual abuse are triggering for you and you do not think that it will serve you right now in your journey, feel free to skip this one. So before we start, I just want to say how grateful I am for everyone's response towards this podcast. This is episode four. You've heard the three episodes already and I'm just so glad about your feedback about what you guys have been telling me over on Instagram um it seems like you're excited and I'm excited that you're excited um it just goes to show how you know we don't talk enough about those things and I'm just really glad that it resonates and that you have a place where you can talk and hear about the things that matter to you as a mom that's going through hard stuff So today, we will be touching on the reasons why it's important for survivors of sexual abuse who are about to become moms for the first time or for the second, third, fourth, multiple time to recognize that what they went through happened, to not minimize it. And the reasons why it's important to tell your healthcare providers that you do have a a history of sexual abuse. So why is it important for soon-to-be moms or veteran moms to recognize that you're sexual trauma? It all has to do with what you can do to prevent birth trauma. So as I've said before, trauma is stored in the body, in the nervous system, And the memory of what happened to you is stored in your body. You might not have memories as images, but your body remembers it all. Back in episode two, and I did touch on this on episode three, I think I'm going to be talking about this in every episode, really. Like the trauma is stored in the body, right? The body keeps the score, the book. Um, It's a favorite for many people. Not a self-help book, by the way, very much a textbook, but that's a different conversation for a different day. This is kind of what I'm referring to here when I say trauma is stored inside the body, is that 
you know, we have these memories in our brain about things that happen to us, good and bad, but sometimes the bad is so, so bad that our brain will just shut off and we will blank. It's either we have an out-of-body experience or as if we just, you know, it's like someone turned the switch off and then we came back online again. So even if that's your experience, that's dissociation, if that happened to you, Um, know that your body keeps the score. Your body knows what happened and it will hold to the memory unless it is released. It does hold all of that memory. And when we're pregnant and we go into labor and delivery without recognizing that our body holds trauma, we're at a higher risk for birth trauma. Just picture this, you know, a poor person who is pregnant has a history of sexual abuse, they do not have the capacity or they have, you know, barriers that are preventing them from getting the help they need to release this. And they're planning to go and give birth. They have to take this baby out, right? Baby has to get out somehow, either naturally or C-section. And either way, There can be harm done, even if medically speaking, things go well. It's all in how our body reacts to what happens to us. We go into labor, there's physical aches and pains there, there's some physical sensations that can be really, really intense, even for someone who doesn't have a history of sexual abuse. It's it's all intense. But for those who have trauma in their body, it's way more intense. So we just want to be, you know, safe with ourselves. We want to remain as comfortable as possible. And we want to remove this fear of, oh boy, what's going to happen? What can I expect? Because if we recognize and not minimize our our story, then we know what we can expect. Oh, I know that if, let's say, for example, um... If I have some sweeps done, if I have cervical checks done, I really won't appreciate this. I will, it will trigger me. It will bring me into a spiral. I don't want to even think about it. So knowledge is power. Right there, you're recognizing your body's holding on to so much pain and trauma that for you, cervical checks, sweeps are out of the question unless they're you know, super, super necessary for some reason, medically speaking, you might want to minimize those interventions if you feel like, oh my goodness, this is going to send me into a trigger spiral. So knowledge is power. Right there, you're recognizing that your body's holding on to so much and we need to treat it with respect. So when we recognize the pain we hold, We can do something about it before going into labor and delivery. And, you know, doing that something is either um, going to pelvic physiotherapy, osteopathy, and, you know, talk to your healthcare provider about this if this is right for you. But preparing your body to give birth is absolutely necessary. It is necessary for those who 
do not have a history of sexual abuse, it is necessary for those who do as well. That's my opinion. That's what my physiotherapist colleagues will also say. It is important. And so we just want to make sure that you know what to expect from yourself, that you don't have surprises, that you feel empowered throughout this whole journey, throughout this whole process, that you know how you will react, what you like, what you don't like. Yeah, and so there's that. But also accessing therapy that works on the body, the brain, and the nervous system such as EMDR, what I offer. You can actively work towards releasing the trauma and the pain stored in your body so that your birth experience is not contaminated by trauma triggers. So like EMDR, for example, because that's that's what I know best, that's what I practice, so I can talk about this. When someone with a history of sexual abuse comes to see me as a client and they say, okay, I'm pregnant, Um, I just want my birth experience to go as smoothly as possible. And I want to make sure that I do everything in my power to get to that point. Right. And so what we can do will, you know, differ from person to person. Everyone's needs are different. Even if the history of the abuse is similar, um, everyone's reaction to what happened to them will be different. And so what we will do is just look at you know, the the big lines of what happened in your life. As if you're a frog, you're going from lily pad to lily pad. I'm not asking you for details. You actually don't even have to tell me what happened. I just want the headlines like, okay, childhood stuff, sexual abuse stuff, work stuff, things like that, you know, just to give me an idea of where we're going, but you definitely don't have to tell me the details. And that's true for every EMDR therapist out there. And so we do that. And we just look at, you know, if there's any themes that emerge for you, when you think about the birth that is going to happen, what you think might be triggered for you. So let's say you look into giving birth and you're like, oh, okay, there's this theme of powerlessness that comes to mind. Because, you know, there's X, Y, Z that happened to me and during the sexual abuse, I felt powerless. And so now I'm scared that I might feel powerless because I will feel as if I'll be pinned down to the ground again. We look at what this theme will, what can emerge from this theme and we look at the source of it all. When I say when we look at the source, it means that we do something that is called a float back. Float back is a technique in EMDR where the therapist will ask you, okay, so let's just, and this is in, this is briefly like in a nutshell, we will ask the client to just sit with that thought and that feeling and notice it in your body. And then we'll just ask, okay, let's float back to a previous time where you would have felt that way. And what's the first thing that kind of pops into mind? And usually the first thing that comes to mind is the good answer. Um, There's no wrong answers to this, Um, but it's like magically the brain knows what the source of our themes are. It's quite impressive, actually. And so we look at that and then we kind of go into 
chronological order of the things that are triggering for you. And so we process that. And then when your themes have been processed, meaning that when you think about what happened to you, they're really just memories and they're not activating inside. It's as if you're watching the news and although you recognize what happened to these people on the news on the television is sad and you have empathy, um, you're not activated inside. And so that's the goal for EMDR. We recognize that what happened is a sad memory and a difficult one, but it's not activating you anymore. That's the goal. And so when that's done, that's when we look at the future. Okay, now you're pregnant, you're going to give birth. Now we can look at, okay, how do we prepare ourselves for that mentally and on a nervous system level? And so we do what we call a future template. We do that. We will work on, you know, the imagery, the visualization. What will it look like? What do you anticipate to happen? And because you will have worked on your triggers, you will be at, you will be much more at ease going into this type of activity because you already know what to expect from your body, how it will react. You might just be pleasantly surprised like, huh, I thought going into this visualization activity was going to be really freaky, but it seems like I already got this. Or you might just notice your challenges and that just gives us data. Really, it gives us information about what you might want to prioritize to ensure that you're comfortable and feeling respected throughout the whole process. So let's say, for example, you have a scheduled C-section. You've never had a scheduled C-section before. I can help out with like the imagery of what it can look like. Like I, I had one, so I kind of know <laughs> what's going to go down. Um, yeah, that's just the perk of having a, ther uh, a mom who's a therapist, right? Or a therapist who's a mom. <laughs> I'm recording this. It's 9.30 p.m. at night, so bear with me. <laughs> so yeah, it's just one of those things. And so together we will, you know, talk about what you can expect and getting information from your healthcare provider about what you can expect going into, let's say, a scheduled C-section. And so we will look at what it can look like, what to expect, like from facts. And then you will look at, okay, what do I think my challenges will be? And so for you, let's say, If you're going in, you're, you know, your visualization and you go into that OR and you're like, oh my goodness, um, I think the lights will be too bright, for example. Well, that's okay. Perfect. We will write that down and it'll serve as a plan. Like in your birth plan, you can put that and say, okay, I think that the lights will be an issue. I want them to be dimmed and I want little music because I want to be super comfortable. And so, you know, that's not, those are not rare um, requests. Uh, they're super reasonable and they can happen for you. 
And so that's just like kind of the process in a nutshell, very, very briefly, about what you can expect from EMDR when you are a survivor of sexual abuse and you're wanting to prepare for birth, processing what happened, releasing the trauma from your body and your brain, and then looking at the future. Because with EMDR, it's the three-pronged approach. It's, it's past, present, and future. Often we talk about this approach with just having in mind the past. And I've been told before, like, oh, EMDR is like this approach where we talk about the past. And I don't want to talk about my past because my present and my future are a lot right now. And so I'm like, yeah, I get it. I get it. But also... <laughs> Your present and future triggers have to do with the source and the source of what happened to you is probably not in your present day. It's probably a past experience or past experiences. So let's look at that. And so worded that way, people usually understand. Um, but that's why we would want to first look at kind of like the chronological order. We don't have to look at every single thing that happened to you. Um, just the things that are significant enough. By significant, I mean usually from zero to 10. Zero is neutral, 10 is the highest disturbance in your body. When you think about that one particular event, where are you at in your body? And so if the answer is, you know, most likely five and up, hmm, yeah, that's probably very significant. It can be significant if it's under five, and you'd have to talk about this with your EMDR trained therapist. But usually we would look at how significant something is for you and not every single thing. So by accessing therapy that works with the body, the brain, the nervous system all together, and don't just stop at the cognitive level, we can release some of the trauma, if not all, the trauma from your body and your brain so that you're prepared for giving birth. Recognizing the pain we hold can be tough, especially when the abuse happened when you were little and or your brain checked off because the pain and the fear were just way too intense. So about dissociation, like I mentioned, you know, we might not have images of what happened but we know something happened because our body just feels weird and feels not super comfortable or maybe even painful in some areas, um, that's a sign that something needs to change, something needs to be released and healed. When I meet clients, one of their biggest revelations is when they realize that they were in extreme pain when the abuse was happening but they might not have realized it in the moment. That can happen for many reasons. Um, you know, the younger we are, unfortunately, when these things happen, that's when our body tends to shut down a whole lot more just because our body and our brains realize um, the intense pain, the physical pain at least, that we're in in that moment, you know, depending. Um, and when I talk about pain, you know, there's, I do have clients who are like, well, you know, I wasn't in pain. I, I just wasn't. And for some, that might be, that might be, um, depending on what happened. When I used to work with kids, 
we would use the words, you know, tricky feelings and being tricked and confusing touch, right? So not all sexual abuse is painful. I'm recognizing that. But for many, many, it actually was. And the body just shut down because it was too much to bear and we needed to protect ourselves. And so it was just like, no, let's shut down and whoop, let's go back online when we're safer. And so for those who might have had some injuries because of what happened, for those who they know for a fact that some things happened where logically at that age, they must have felt some type of pain, but they, they know it just on a, on a cognitive level and they don't necessarily process that in their body. So there's still this barrier. And so what I typically do to bring my clients to this realization that their body felt extreme pain then um, and that they might be repressing this is that I ask the tampon question. And I've been asking this for, I think, to all of my clients who, who have gone through sexual abuse at this point. It's the tampon question. So let's say, for example, um, you know, sexual abuse in, in childhood and with the facts that you know cognitive, on a cognitive level about what happened, um, you know that your body was not ready, developmentally speaking, to sustain what happened. So without going into details, um, you can guess what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about penetration. And so when we look at that, you know, sometimes clients will tell me, well, no, I wasn't in pain at all. Um, this happened, but I wasn't in pain. And so I'm like, okay, I will ask the tampon question. I will ask them if they, you know, if this is something that they've used before. I ask them, have you ever used a tampon before? And they will tell me either yes or no. And if they tell me yes, I will ask them, okay, um, how old were you when you first attempted to, to use one? And most will tell me, you know, teen years, like maybe 12 and up. And so I ask them, okay, how was that first experience for you? And many start laughing and many will tell me, oh, it was horrible. It, I was in so much pain. And so I ask them, okay, were you alone? Were you the only one, you know, trying to put this tampon on? And they will most likely tell me, yes, yes, I was, I was totally in control here. It was me that was doing it. And so I just make them realize like, okay, you were the one in control putting that tampon in or at least attempting. And so because you were completely in control a hundred percent and you could go at your own pace, and you were the one in control here. You didn't dissociate, right? You were present the whole time. And they will tell me, yep, yep, you're right. I was present the whole time. I remember like it was yesterday. It was so awkward. It was so painful. And then I will ask them, so your 12-year-old body was in pain when you, who was the one in charge, was attempting to put the tampon in. So how was your younger little self when that happened? And then usually the tears will start flowing 
because then they will have realized, oh shit, I totally blinked, my body saved me, my brain saved me from this extreme pain that I was in, and when I came back online, I wasn't feeling the pain, but I must have felt incredible pain going through this. And so I'm putting that out there because knowledge is power. When we go through something like this so young, our body will hold on to the memory. It just will. Even if we're, we go through something similar and we're not so young, still our body will hold on to this. Even if we don't have a memory and images of what went down, even if we just have the facts of what happened, our body will recognize and hold on to this trauma. So, recognizing the pain and the trauma your body holds is important because it gives you data to act on, and knowledge is power. So that means you know you have this trauma inside, and so that way you will be able to take the decision to do something to release it, right? Whether you work on relaxation methods, on, you know, um, anything that works with the body, the nervous system, you will be able to do that, to choose for yourself and to empower yourself about what, what needs to happen next. And you will also be able to recognize that others need to respect your pregnant body because when you will give birth, chances are there will be some triggers and you need to make sure that everyone around will be respectful enough to know about your history and that you need to, they, they need to stick to the plan basically. They need to stick to a certain plan with you, with anyone basically, but especially those who have a history of sexual abuse. So this brings me to my next point, which is, you know, the reasons why it's important to let your healthcare providers know you have a history of sexual abuse. And I don't mean giving them details, but just letting them know that you do have a history of sexual trauma and your body holds this trauma. It tells them that they need to be careful about how they touch you. They need to ask for your consent before touching you, even if it's just to grab your hand. They need to ask, hey, is it okay if I do this? It tells them that they need to be aware that your body holds pain and trauma and that you may react strongly to certain interventions compared to those who did not go through sexual abuse. It tells them that you are perhaps at a higher risk for dissociation during certain procedures and interventions and to always ensure that you are mentally present in the room with them when they are doing these interventions or procedures. So, for example, cervical checks and sweeps. Um, it also lets them know that you might not be super comfortable with breastfeeding and that they should back off with their pro-breastfeeding agenda if they have any. So yeah, like just these different body parts that might be a bit more sensitive for you. Um, it just gives, you know, this respect that they need to 
back off. They need to let you be in control here. They need to let you guide them. Yeah, and then also just going back to, you know, the ways of preventing any birth trauma, even if things go well, medically speaking, um, birth trauma when we are a survivor of sexual abuse, the things that you might want to look into are ways to prepare your body with pelvic floor physiotherapy, osteopathy, or therapy such as EMDR. So in this episode, we looked at the power of knowledge when it comes to moms who are survivors of sexual abuse. Recognizing and not minimizing your history will give your body the validation it needs, and that is how you care for it. By sharing the important stuff with your healthcare providers will ensure that you remain safe in your body and emotionally so that the birth of your baby has the greatest chances at being the best day of your life. Because trauma already took enough away from you. It doesn't have to take away the birth of your baby too. I would love to know what your thoughts are on this fourth episode. Do you start seeing how trauma is everywhere and it can play a huge role in your motherhood and postpartum journey? Reach out to me on Instagram at Denik Helps Moms and tell me what your aha moment was for this episode. And I'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Trauma Healing for Postpartum Moms podcast. I hope what was shared resonated with you and you're walking away feeling like you're not alone. There is another side to the pain, the fear, and the confusion you're experiencing right now in early motherhood. Feeling happy, safe, and confident in your role is possible. This episode does not replace psychotherapy and is not meant to give medical advice. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening and I'll see you soon.